Beach from New York to Los Angeles. George Floyd! We're on the ground at the center of the protests over George Floyd's death. Black Lives Matter. Three powerful words echoed right across Canada and North America. The anger over the death of George Floyd spilled into many cities across the United States, not only in... Hashtag say her name, Brianna Taylor. Hashtag I can't breathe, Eric Garner. The death of George Floyd on May 25, 2020, at the hands of a white officer, became a worldwide movement. It was hard to look away from the news. The loss of Floyd was heartbreaking as we started to remember the other unnecessary loss of life as we think of Trayvon Martin, Tamir Rice, Ahmaud Arbery, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, Delron Small, Walter Scott, and the list goes on. How many Canadians can name Andrew Loku, Jermaine Carby, and Michael Elegon as just three of the many Black Canadians who've been killed by police in recent years? The issues of police brutality seem to have popped up out of nowhere. Yet some Canadians wonder why all this matters here at home. That's an American problem. We're different here. But are we? Hi, I'm your host, Natasha Winter. Welcome to the Uh-Oh, Did You Know podcast. This is Dr. Charmaine Nelson, historian, educator, author, and independent curator. Nelson explains the significance of the protests that we saw explode in the wake of George Floyd's murder. Black men and women, of course, in the USA, Canada, the UK, um, in, in being under assault in terms of, uh, especially um, in our relationship to and over-policing by the police. Okay, so part of it that strikes me every time something horrific like this happens is that, um, of course, this is a direct legacy of slavery. That's what my podcast is about, slavery. And more specifically, I'll be looking at slavery in Canada. As many of us Canadians associate slavery with our friends in the South, the United States of America. Still, people barely know about Canada's role in the slave trade. We know Canada as the bright shining light, that Northern star, the hero in the Underground Railroad. But not many people know that Canada enslaved people. What do I mean by being connected to slavery? Okay, so first of all, I think I should say briefly what is transatlantic slavery because a lot of people, Natasha, don't know that. So transatlantic slavery is uniquely horrific in the landscape of the slaveries that have transpired in uh, human history. The transatlantic slave trade started during the 15th century in Portugal. They were the first to kidnap and enslave African people and bring them to Europe. And according to the British historian, former professor and editor, Robin Blackburn, the processes used by the Portuguese would become the blueprint that Europeans used to colonize the New World. Right. So, of course, people know there was slavery in ancient civilizations. And today we have things still like um, sex trafficking. Right. So when we talk about transatlantic slavery, though, we're talking about a 400 year period from the 1400s to the 1800s, where you had several Europeans that were building empires by um, stealing inhabited indigenous lands in the Americas and um, commencing then programs of resource extraction and um, plantation agriculture, monocrop agriculture. 
But those European nations like Britain, France, Portugal, Spain, um, and who's often written out are nations like Norway and Denmark, okay? So they believed then that um, they needed laborers to do this uh, dirty imperial work. And they went to Africa to steal our ancestors basically to expropriate millions of Africans and deposit them in the Americas to do this labor. Sometimes indigenous people were enslaved, indigenous people were always being colonized, but the only group of people we need to understand who were deemed to be always enslavable were black Africans. And according to research conducted by historian Natasha Henry, blacks were enslaved in colonial Canada from the late 1600s all the way to 1831. The key thing here that we have to get before we go forward and talk about Canadian slavery, why transatlantic slavery was so uniquely horrific again, I use those terms. To be a slave was to be chattel under the law and chattel is, is the definition of chattel is a movable personal property. Like the desk in front of us, the chairs were sitting on. You were a thing under the law if you were a slave in transatlantic slavery. That's what we have to get. So this transforms to how we do the research today because we're never searching for um, documents that were assigned to a human being like a birth certificate because enslaved people were given those because they weren't considered to be human. The other thing that's really um, horrific about transatlantic slavery is that it was deliberately aligned or ordered in what we call a matrilineal order. Matrilineal order means that any child born to an enslaved female was automatically considered a slave. So if your mother was a slave, you were a slave. And who owned you? The person who owned her. So this incentivized rape and sexual coercion because enslavers understood you get the female pregnant, you make more wealth for yourself, literally more property. And sadly, there seems to be no end to this bondage as it would automatically be attached to your descendants. So the only way to escape slavery was literally to, to die. So to, to be killed or to kill yourself to run away from the enslaver successfully, meaning you have to run away and stay away from that person who's gonna hunt you. And often the society is hunting you with them. Canada used chattel slavery to build economic wealth. Professor and historian Marcel Trudel assessed that 1,443 black people were enslaved in New France which we now know to be Quebec, between 1686 to 1831. And what was interesting while researching this project, I came across quite a few naysayers to the existence of slavery in Canada. And I must say, they were quite interesting. Here's a comment that I found on a CBC article called Canada's Slavery Secret, The Whitewashing of 200 Years of Enslavement. And it was written by Kyle G. Brown on February 18th, 2019. L. Collin writes, As a Canadian citizen, I am proud to say the sovereign nation of Canada never had slavery. Confederation, July 1st, 1867. No slavery. Americans can trace their lineage to slave owners. You are pretty hard-pressed to find those of slave-owning English ancestry these days. Blame England if you want. I'm not English. I am Canadian with an ancestry of Irish which was also subjugated by the English. Do not plea bargain for a crime you did not commit. And I also found some comments at the bottom of a Globe and Mail article 
called uh, Nova Scotia Celebrating the First Emancipation Day in Canada, Marking the Abolition of Slavery by the Canadian Press on August 1st, 2021. And APP underscore 721286 writes, they should have the celebration Britain. Canada was not formed yet and never had slavery. Silly thing to waste money on. And there's another comment uh, from APP underscore 7033-5371. And they write, Canada never had slaves to emancipate. Why is this being celebrated? Oh yeah, because it's trendy. In chapter one of Dr. Robin D'Angelo's book, White Fragility, named Challenges of Talking to White People About Racism, D'Angelo states that white people's opinion about racism is usually very strong and that race relations are complex. She goes on to say, you must consider that unless you've done intentional study, your opinion is uninformed and ignorant. President of Ontario's Black History Society, educator, author, and historian, Natasha Henry has seen this many times before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is something that I, I, um, I tease out in an article that I wrote uh, for Spacing Magazine, kind of looking at some of these uh, ever circulating ideas that push back against the history, our own history of enslavement here. Um, and I would say that yes, Canada, uh, the nation of Canada, the colonies that became the nation of Canada were involved in slavery. Um, And that you cannot parcel out what parts of history you want to include and enfold in the meaning and definition of Canada and what you want to remove. Uh, And so I just recall in the article talking about people wanting to claim victory, a Canadian victory during the War of 1812, at the very same time that enslavement continued here in, 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 um, in Ontario, for example, people wanting to embrace the Underground Railroad when Canada wasn't technically a country, right, didn't exist at the time. And so it's just interesting what it is that people want to hold on to as part of this Canadian national memory and what they want to excise, what they want to remove and deny. And the history, our history of, as you said, over 200 years of enslavement is often something that people want to remove from from our history. Dr. Nelson has seen this phenomenon too. First of all, what do Canadians love to talk about, especially in February, in Black History Month? The Underground Railroad. Canada didn't exist then either, did it? But we want to claim that as a, a Canadian triumph, right? And that we're talking, Natasha, 1834 to 1865. But everybody wants to say, oh, that's Canadian. We're uniquely Canadian because we freed the African-Americans. Really? But you want to dismiss the other 200 years when we're enslaving everybody because it's un- inconvenient to you, not because of the timelines. Listen, when people talk about Brazil, Brazilian slavery, Jamaican slavery, Haiti, none of those nations existed at the time when they're talking about, right? But as scholars, we deal with the regional names of today and what those regions became in our naming of the spaces that we're talking about in slavery. Why should it be any different in Canada? This is people being uncomfortable with the history, right? And it shows you clearly what they wanna own and disown. And they wanna disown the parts that make them uncomfortable because there are parts that tell us that, you know, racism, anti-Black racism, anti-Indigenous racism were foundational 
to the nation building process under two empires of what is today Canada. In Desmond Cole's book, The Skin I'm In, Cole talks about some Canadians' notions while acknowledging that there was slavery in Canada, it is often followed up with a reminder of how small it was, that it wasn't as bad as the States, or at least not as bad as it could have been. Cole refers to it as slavery light or racism light. Henry also agrees that there was a smaller size of people enslaved in Canada. However, it is not a reflection of its impact. So Chloe Cooley was a woman who, uh, a black woman who was enslaved in the Niagara region. Uh, she was first known to have been enslaved in uh, the town of Fort Erie and uh, by Benjamin Hardison. And then she was sold by him to Adam Vrooman, who uh, was settled in Queenston. So that's just um, outside, in between Niagara on the lake. It's still now part of Niagara on the lake, but Niagara on the lake and going towards uh, Niagara Falls. Um, and, uh, and so she, she came into his possession. Um, she was enslaved by him. Um, Vrooman had a wife and he had a number of children. And so Chloe, like many other enslaved women, would have been engaged in a range of domestic duties, right? And taking care of, of, of the children as well. Um, when Lieutenant Governor uh, John Grave Simcoe um, be, was appointed here uh, in, in Ontario, there were rumors circulating uh, even among those who were enslaved, that he was going to abolish slavery, and so what a number of um, people, a number of people uh, of white settlers who enslaved black people were doing, were um, going, especially along the the Niagara River, where they were selling the people that they enslaved into New York State or through New York State. Um, and so that is what Adam Vrooman uh, did on this day in, in March of, um, of 1793. It was determined that Chloe was to be sold across the Niagara River into New York. Um, he, him, he, he decided to do that. He pulled together his brother and two other men to forcefully bound Chloe Cooley. Um, perhaps he knew from you know, their, their history that she would physically resist um, in, in his, um, we know that she resisted in many ways before uh, in his response to his charges for disturbing the peace. He said that Chloe would sometimes go away for short periods of time um, you know, without permission. Um, but on that day, the, the men tied her, tied her up and she screamed and she fought. Um, they loaded her into a boat and um, took her across the Niagara River. So this was witnessed by um, a white man named William Grizzly who was working for Vrooman as a, as a laborer and uh, Peter Martin who was a black loyalist. Um, and these two men reported the incident to um, the politicians uh, at that time, uh, Newark, now Niagara-on-the-Lake, was the, the, um, the center of the government. And so they reported this incident. Um, file, charges were filed against Vrooman. And the charges, as I mentioned before, was disturbing the peace. It had nothing to do with what exactly happened to Chloe because he was within his right 
as an enslaver to right to um, to get rid of his property or to do with his property as he sees fit. And so in his response to the charges, he mentions again that um, he he says that, you know, she uses property. Um, he mentions um, that there were whispers among those who were enslaved that um, they were going, you know, freedom was, was coming. Uh, and, and so, you know, her story, while there isn't a lot of it documented, really still helps to illuminate um, quite a bit of things around the, the experiences of her experience specifically and the experiences of those who were enslaved. <clears throat> so this incident was used by um, Simcoe and the Attorney General John White to introduce legislation to abolish slavery um, a few months after, two or three months after. <clears throat> and then after, but because about half of the men uh, the politicians um, themselves held property and slaves. And so what, what happened was uh, legislation to gradually abolish slavery was introduced. Chloe's resistance started the change that would bring slavery to an end in Canada. Although she may not have felt it or known it, her life mattered and it made a difference. No matter how you look at it, or whatever twist you want to put on it, slavery happened in Canada. Thanks for listening to this episode. Theme music by Christine Haldane, additional music by Lex Music, with additional files from Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Join me in the next episode where I explore religion's role in enslavement. But for now, I'm going to leave you with a quote from my interview where I speak to novelist, playwright, critic, and former parliamentary poet laureate, George Eliot Clark. I'm your host, Natasha Winter. We talk a lot about equality in Canada. And, and, and I got to say, look, I love my country. I'm glad to be Canadian. I'm a member of the Order of Canada, member of the Order of Nova Scotia. Uh, and I accepted those appointments from the Governor General, Lieutenant Governor, on behalf of Her Majesty the Queen. So I'm a de facto monarchist, whether I like it or not. Uh, but having said all that, I also need to need to say uh, that this country continuously lies, continuously lies to everybody about its real history uh, in relations to Indigenous people, relations to Black people. Again, the two groups who have always been positioned at the bottom of Canadian society, always and deliberately.